to say right at the very start, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I am not as confident and as well-versed in the Bible as these two gentlemen who sit on the front row here. So what is going to help me this morning is if you could just smile at me nicely, if you could sort of say, Amen, we're with you, Julie, at the right time. Now, this week, some of us went to the Audacious Conference, and we were just pointing out what they did there was when somebody made a good point, they jumped up on their feet and went, Yeah, preach it! So, Simon, Josh, Bex, Jordan, Beth, everybody that went Christian, at appropriate times, if you could shout, lead the way, and we're just going to have a great time this morning. I want you to pretend you're American today. Is that okay? All right. We're going to get um, right into it, but before we do, I'd just like us to, to pray. Father, your word says that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Now pray this morning, God, as we open your word, as we speak, uh, and I bring what I feel you have laid on my heart this morning, that our lives would be illuminated, that our feet steps would be clearer, and we would leave this place this morning feeling the sunshine of God on our lives. Amen. Amen. Right, what I'm going to do is take you back to, right at the very start, to when I was about... 1819. Um, I went on a Warner's Camp holiday. I don't know if some of you can remember those, one of those huts. And every evening they would provide entertainment at the camp. What actually happened is while we were there, was there was a competition um, one night for Miss Warner Camp at that site. Now the first prize of this um, competition was a holiday in Weymouth. So the group I was with was like, come on, Julie, why don't you have a go, you know? So I thought, what what have I got to lose? On the camp, entered the beauty competition and actually won it. Now, before you already start, I'm not hearing you cheer, but before you all start cheering and shouting, there was about four or five people in this competition, so it wasn't that difficult, to be honest. I then went on to a national competition in Weymouth. We got the free holiday, which was great. We go in the back on the night of this National Warners Camp competition, and now there are a lot of girls there. Now there's little old me. And I turn up with my little frock and my little swimsuit, and it was one of those, you know, Bet Lynch leopard stripe things that was all in then, you know, that sort of, you got, made your legs look longer, girls, you know, those that sort of come up there. And when I got in the back there, and when I got in the back, what I couldn't believe was these girls. I mean, you know, I was a bit sort of amateur in this. Some of these girls obviously did it for a profession. They'd got, now, come on, girls, you'll, you'll understand me with this. They'd got those lash things that make your eyelids curl. I'd never even seen one of those before. They'd got these, um, you know, these, these things you, you, you put down your, your top, you know. I thought... I'm sure that's illegal, you know. These girls were like 34D and there's me, 32 AAA, thinking, there's just no way. Just no way. So, they also get their massive shoes on like this to make their legs look long. Well, I just felt so inferior to all these girls and I'm thinking, goodness, goodness. 
goodness, I have, don't stand a chance. Anyway, we've got a free holiday. And just to say, I obviously didn't come anywhere in the top three, the top five, the top six, but it was an experience. What I did do after that was I was then asked at work to enter the Miss UK Coal Competition. Uh, some of you can remember that there was the NUM, the UDM. I worked at the UDM, which was the breakaway union, for about 20 years. If you supported the NUM, please do not throw anything at me right now. Okay, so I entered that competition, and this time, this time, I was prepared. I thought, right, okay, got the hair blonde. Because this was what people liked. They liked the blonde hair. That was all in. My hair straight, naturally, as most of you can see. Got the curlers, got the perm, you know. And in those days, you did your hair like this. <laughs> you, you know, you got the gel and it was... <laughs> it was just blonde and frizzy. And then I got the curlers, because now I got some. Got the false eyelashes, got the curling thing. I got the wedges like this. I could hardly walk across the stage. I got the, down the top, you know, I thought, right, I look, I look the business. I won the competition. I became Miss UK Cole, 1984, <laughs> long time ago. And I was on the front of the evening post, and I was in the arms of the Nottingham Forest football goalie at the time. He picked me up, and there was a picture on the front of the evening post. It was a big success as far as that point in my life was. However, the success of winning that competition was based on total falseness about me. I'd got false hair, I'd got false eyelashes, I'd got false height, I'd got false boobs, I'd got false pretty much everything other than, you know, I'd sort of like, you know, got myself so slim. You know, girls, when you get bikini and swimsuit and you don't eat for about a decade before you go on holiday, there's just no way you can sustain living on lettuce leaves and, and lettuce soup and water for about three years. So anyway, it was all false about my life and winning that success of that competition. What I want to talk to us about this morning is the successful life, the successful life. And I want to ask as a question at the very beginning of what are we basing success on? If you are making notes, some of these are very strategic points. What are we basing our success on? What is our aim in life? We've seen recently the very sad news of Amy Winehouse um, who seemed to have it all, fame, fortune, talent, money, ability, was well-known, was well-loved. You know, you've seen that her album now has gone back to number one in the charts, and yet she was not a happy woman. You see, Karen Carpenter, she was another one, was so famous and loved, and people around the world adored her and brought her records. Another woman not happy. So we know that fame and fortune is not the answer. What I want to do this morning is take us on a little journey to a man in the Bible, the story of Joseph. What I want to do is just start at the position of where most of you would probably say, great, 
We're going to talk about Joseph. He became second in command in Egypt. He became famous. All his family bowed down at his feet. But I don't want to take us to that point in Joseph's life, which most of us would say that was his success. I want to take us to the point in his life in Genesis chapter 39. And hopefully, I'm going to have it up on the screen so you don't need to look to it. And I'm going to read it very quickly to you because there's quite a bit we need to get through here. And Joseph was brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, brought him into the hands of the Ishmaelites that had brought him down thither. You please excuse, this is an old version of the Bible, but it's free, okay? It's free through our thing. And Jehovah, which is God, was with Joseph. And he was a prosperous man. He was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that, that God was with him and that God made all he did to succeed. Everybody say, succeed. God made all he had, he did to succeed in his hand. And Joseph found favor in his sight and he ministered unto him and he made him overseer of his house. I want to stop and pause there a minute. In that scripture there that we have read, it says that God made Joseph succeed. At that point in Joseph's life, God saw it as success. What you may not know, at that point, Joseph has been sold into slavery by his brothers who were jealous of him. Joseph is away from his homeland, is away from his family, is away from all that he's ever known in a house of a man that he doesn't really know. And it says in the Bible that God said it was a success. Now, in my eyes, that isn't a success. But God, where's his family in all of this? Where is the, the dream that God had given him? For those of you that don't know, I'll recap a little bit. When Joseph was 17 years of age, God gave him a dream. And the dream was that his brothers and his mum and dad would bow down to him. He wasn't very wise in sharing the dream. We all know that. We all would admit that. But God said that they would bow down to him. It would, this was Joseph's dream. Joseph then, a little while after this, ends up thrown in a pit by his brothers because of their jealousy and ends up sold into slavery in Potiphar's house. How many of you here think that sounds like a success? Anybody want to own up? But God said he made him succeed. So let's just move on a little bit to um, verse 11 of the same story. And it came to pass about this time that he went into the house to do his work. So Joseph was going to do his best with where he was at, and he went to do his work. And there was none of the men of the house there within. And she, she is Potiphar's wife. This is the house he's in. Potiphar's wife caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. She's basically trying to seduce him. If we could move on to the next verse, please. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in his hand and had fled forth, that 
that she called unto the men of her house and spake unto them, saying, He has brought, the, he, sorry, he hath brought a Hebrew into us to mock us. He came in to lie with me. And I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted my voice and cried that he left his garment by me and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant whom thou hast brought into us came into me to mock me. And it came to pass as I lifted my voice and cried out the garment, and he fled. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake, after this manner did the servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. He was angry. And Joseph's master took him, put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in prison. Joseph is now gone from his brothers trying to kill him. His brothers selling him into slavery, ending up in a house he doesn't know. He is now in prison. But God, God was with Joseph and showed kindness unto him and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. We're nearly there, two more voices. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatever, whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. So now Joseph is looking after all the guys in the prison. He's found favor in the prison. And the final verse, which is what I want to get to. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand because God was with him. And that which he did, God made Joseph succeed. Let me hear you say, succeed. God made Joseph succeed. God. This was my reaction when I was reading this. I felt God lay very strongly on my heart heart to talk to us about the keys of a successful life this morning. And God led me to this chapter. I have never seen this before. I don't think I've ever heard anybody preach on it before. But this to me didn't sound like a success story. His brothers had sold him into slavery. Joseph then says, well, where I'm at, I'm in Potiphar's house, I'm here. I'm going to do a great job here. But then if that's not enough, then Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. Joseph doesn't give in to the temptation. Then Joseph, wrongly accused, ends up in prison. But what does the Bible say? Even in prison, God made Joseph succeed. God made Joseph succeed. He was wrongly accused. He gets thrown into the prison. Yet Joseph continues to do the right thing. Well, God, this would be my, if I was Joseph, this would have been my prayer, my thoughts right here, right now. God, what about that dream you gave me when I was 17? What about that promise that my brothers would bow down to me? What about that promise that my mum and dad, they would all bow down to me? That dream you gave me, what was this all about? I'm in prison, I was sold into slavery, I've been wrongly accused, I've been treated so bad, do we all relate to this? Can we see where this God is taking us this morning? God, this wasn't the deal I signed up for when you gave me that dream when I was 17. This can't be it. This can't be what 
me. God, what's happening? God, let's bring it to our everyday lives now. Let's just think what that means to us. God, I get up every morning and I pray. God, I read the scriptures. God, I serve you faithfully in media team, in worship team. I stand on the door. I'm here five nights a week. God, I I help my neighbor. God, I help my friends. Is this it? Is this the dream? Is this what you promised me? This is not what I saw when I was 17. This is not what I saw when I was 30. This is not it, God. This can't be it. God says that sometimes you remember the prophecy God gave us very clearly last year that we can get stuck in reality and we can forget the dream. I just sense this morning across this whole congregation, God is wanting to say to you again and to me afresh, remember the vision, remember the dream, remember the things that God has promised you and don't let where you are at now, don't let where you are stopped at now, stop you living that dream and stop you going for all God's got for you. This is just part of the journey. Are you with me this morning? Let me hear you saying amen. Let me hear you saying amen. So in chapter 39 and verse 3, it says, God gave him success. In chapter 39 and verse 23, God gave him success, it says in the NIV, in everything he did. So I have just three points this morning. There could be so many more we could get from this church to help us. But three points of how did Joseph succeed through all of this? How did Joseph keep his eye on what the dream was? How did Joseph keep himself going when the situation looked so dire? Point number one, and everybody said, okay, we'll practice. Point number one, we're all going to say, everybody said, point number one. Okay, we can say it one more time. Everybody said, point number one. He did his best no matter where he was. He did his best no matter what, where he was. Joseph didn't sit around having a pity party. Joseph didn't just say, oh, well, God, it's not happening. You know, that dream couldn't have been for me. That dream must have been for somebody else. Joseph did his best no matter where he was. Well, these kids, they never tidy up. Well, my husband doesn't help me around the house. Why should I bother? Well, my boss treats me really, really bad. Why should I just keep doing my best when he treats me like he does? Joseph did the best he could no matter where he was. No matter what everybody else is doing, the world standard should be different to ours, guys. If we are living the same standard as everybody else in our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our homes, there is something wrong. God has put something inside of us that says, you should go the extra mile. You can do better. You should do more. You can be more. But we have got to determine no matter what situation we find us in, whether you feel like you're in prison this morning, whether you feel like you're in no man's land, whether you feel like, God, this wasn't part of the deal, God says, keep doing the best you have with what you've got. What does that look like on a day-to-day basis? Here's some simple points. Start getting to work 10 minutes early. Start being on time for your appointments. Don't leave work as soon as the clock turns to five o'clock. Well, everybody else is out the car park. By three minutes past five, I'm with them. No, you do the extra mile. 
Ladies, you like this one. Take your husband breakfast in bed on a Saturday morning. Go the extra mile. Husbands, you're not going to get off here easy. What about planning a romantic night out for your wife who works hard all week? Bring her some flowers home on a Friday. Go the extra mile. Well, she's not said some very nice things about me recently. You be the one to turn the trend. You be the one that says, I'm going to do the best I can with what I've got. Even have you seen her at six o'clock in the morning? But I'm still going to do the best I can with what I've got. Plan the romantic night. Start leaving your children notes around your house to tell them how great they are. You know, your kids, our kids are often told how rubbish they are by friends at school they can feel so inferior one of the biggest causes of um, the tenth biggest thing around the world now of death is suicide and the biggest age range of suicide are teenagers and adults under 25 that says something it's the tenth biggest killer around the world people at that age group need to know that they're loved, they're, that they're secure, that you care for them, leave them notes. I remember one night, I just got a little, it was back in the days of PowerPoint, you know, on the computer, all the guys were out, and I thought, I'm going to print them off a little thing to tell them how great they all are. So I got my little PowerPoint templates up, Josh, I think you're awesome, Chris, I love you so much, Jordan, you're the best daughter I've ever had, something like that, left them all on the bed, you know, I'm not sure whether they've still got them, but guys, we just need to sew into our kids and our families how great they are. What about taking your neighbour's bin out for them? You know those neighbours that cut your drive off and park across the entrance and you can never get in? What about going the extra mile with them? Notice that Joseph didn't become a bitter man. Joseph didn't become a man full of moaning and groaning about what had happened to him. And yet, actually, church, he probably had every right to. My brothers treated me so bad, and, and yet, why? They accused me, Potiphar's wife accused me of wrong things. He had every reason to be bitter and angry and moan, and yet, church, he didn't do it. He kept doing the best he had, he could, with what he had. Joseph wasn't promoted to the head of the staff in Potiphar's house because he just did a get-by mentality. Joseph wasn't promoted to the head of the staff in the prison because he just thought, oh, well, you know, I'll just do a bit here and I'll do a bit there. He was promoted because he did the best he could. With Are we getting this? He did the best he could with what he'd got. I want to ask as a church this morning, am I doing, and this is to me as well as you, am I doing the best I can with what I've got. If you've got a note, pen and pad, write that down. Ask it yourself when you get home. Have you ever thought, why didn't Joseph run away? Have you ever thought that? Why didn't Joseph say, well, I'm in Egypt, back at home. I was my dad's favourite son. He bought me that robe of many colours. you remember it? Yeah. <laughs> We've always all seen him with the, the, uh, the Joseph uh, film. Yeah, so why didn't he run away? Why didn't he escape? I just felt, as I wrote down that point, God wants to say this. Some of us here feel like running away. I've been there myself. There's times when you feel like running away. You feel like the grass is going to be greener on the other side. You think that if, you know, it's not working out for me here, I'm going to go over there and I'm, I'm, I'm going to just get somewhere else. God says, stay faithful to where you are here Do the best you can with what you've got and see the salvation of God.
Amen. Do we receive that this morning? Okay, point number two, and we all said, when the going gets tough, let's try it again, when the going gets tough, (laughs) when the going gets tough, the tough get going. Success is not based on our circumstances. Success is not based on our circumstances, but how we live in those circumstances. Now that is good. That deserved an amen right there. Do you want me to say that again? Success is not based on our circumstances, but how we live through those circumstances. Come on church, that deserves an amen. Success is not based on how much stuff we have. You know when you're in the middle of a crisis, and I'm sure many of us have been there, middle of a horrible situation, you don't say, well, God, and you come to God in prayer, thank you that I've got that Mercedes out there. That Mercedes is going to save the day. Thank you, God, that I've got my plasma TV. Thank you, God, that I've got 2.4 children and a mortgage paid off and everything else. You're never going to say that when you're in the middle of a crisis. What you are going to say is, thank you, God, for people who love me. Thank you, God, for relationships that are going to help me get through this situation. Thank you, God, for your faithfulness in your word where you says you'll never leave me or you'll never forsake me. That's the stuff, church, that is going to matter when you're in the middle of the crisis, not the 2.4 kids, not the plasma, not the Mercedes, not any of that. Amen? Amen. Our thoughts, church, and I have been here, so I know I'm coming to you this morning from a person who has lived through some of this, where when I was a baby Christian, it was all the name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, all of that sort of stuff, knowing full well that that is not how God wants me to live. But we can become trapped by our own thoughts. We can become trapped by our own emotions. We wake up and we live with the hurts of the past. My family treated me wrong. My dad abused me. My friends make fun of me. My husband cheated on me. We can live in in trapped mindsets. We can all live in hurt. What made Joseph have success and know the blessing of God? He refused to live in a place of hurt. He refused to have a pity party. He refused to give up. Come on, church. He refused, he refused, he refused to live life from a place of hurt and bitterness. He didn't look at the prison. He kept his eye on his God and on the dream and on the vision. Friend of God, this morning, what is holding you back from giving your best? What is stopping you seeing the great future that I know God has for you? And finally, point number three. See things from God's perspective. See things from God's perspective. God is not bothered about fame and fortune. God is not bothered whether you've got a 30k salary, a 60k salary, a 10k salary. God's not bothered about the latest iPad, the latest plasma. What God wants is for you to live a life of purpose and meaning, a life that is honouring to him. It says in Mark chapter 8 and verse 36, what, what does it profit a man If he gains the whole world and loses 
his own soul. A life that reaches out to others. A life that doesn't look at me, me, me. But a life that is outward looking to see how we can do the best to serve the people around us. Joseph didn't stop and look at his own circumstances. He served the people around him. He did the best, even though the people he was with, he probably thought, I shouldn't be here. I just want to share a very brief story with you. Very brief, because time is nearly gone. Many of you know that uh, Chris and I went into to business many years ago. And when we started the business, many people said to us, many people, oh, you're made now. This business is going to make you loads of money. The reality actually was that Chris and I ended up losing a lot of money through that business, a lot of money, which we will be paying for quite a while still to come. And somebody said to me, you know, did you feel that business failed? And actually I came to God and and prayed and, and said to God, you know, okay, probably in most people's eyes, we failed in business at that point. But I looked at the journey that Chris and I had been on. I saw the start of where we were at spiritually and where we were at in our Christian Christian walk at the start of our business journey. And going through all the pain that we did and all of that. And I see where we are now. We are nowhere near where we need to be. But I know that we have grown, that we love God more, that we can see more in the everyday things of life, that it's not about the money. And I've come to the conclusion many, many times that what people see as a failure in business because you've lost money was actually a success in God's eyes because Chris and I are more equipped to live the life that God's called us to now than we have ever been. Amen? Amen. So what we see sometimes in the world as success, in God's eyes, can be so different. So let's conclude the story this morning with the good news. Hopefully a lot of that has been good news. Joseph was eventually let out of prison. He was appointed to the second in command in the whole of Egypt. His brothers did eventually, want to hear a cheer here, his brothers eventually did bow down to him. But his brothers eventually did bow down to him and he was united with his family. How did he get there? Do you know what it says when he was let out of prison? He was nearly 30. He had the dream when he was 17. That's a lot of years. Some of us want instant success. Some of us want instant, I'm going to be there, I'm going to get there. Even Joseph. This guy who was in the Bible and God talks about, it took him 13 years before he was appointed to the position where Joseph had been promised when he was 17. God, I don't want this job. God, I don't want to have work to work hard another 30 years. God, I don't want to have to keep have to keep getting up early every day looking after my family because they only just mess it up. The house is going to be dirty again tomorrow. God, I don't want to keep doing this for the next 10 years. God says, keep doing the best with what you've got. Keep loving. Don't hold any bitterness. Keep going. Stuff will happen to his church that we just don't get. Stuff will happen that we just don't understand. Stuff will make us want to feel like running away. But God says, keep doing the best. You will find favor. You will 
find blessing, you will, in God's eyes, find success. In conclusion, and to summarise, to live a life in Julie Turner's eyes this morning that is a life of success. Three points. Commit to a life of meaning. Commit to a life of purpose. And commit to a life of consistency, no matter where you find yourself. Amen.